I'd take playoff D over playoff P any day. You asked what more I'd like from the game last night? Well, I wish the games were in the afternoon again. PK, you inspired me. Hey, Kawhi, you don't tug on Superman's cape. You don't spin in the wind. You don't pull the mask of the Olo Ranger, and you don't mess with Donovan. Woo! Let's go, Jazz! Uh, uh, who gave us the song there at the end? That's our good friend Dwight. He weighs in quite often in the open mic. And then now is an old school, long time listener there with they're not in the afternoon, not in the anymore. afternoon anymore. That's old school right there. Who is that? I just looked that one up. Hold All on. right. Do you well, think that guy's good. dead now? Well, wait, but right <laughs> That's there. morbid. I mean, uh, well, you said he was old. He he definitely I, sounded old. Nobody yeah. gets out of here alive, big fella. That's, you know, planet Earth, right? <laughs> that is the one truism about planet Earth. Nobody gets out of this place alive. Although I'm going to go kicking and screaming, that's for sure. It's <laughs> <laughs> the way I came in. <laughs> Dr. Forty smacked me on the butt. All the kids in the C. Miller family were bo- uh, where uh, Dr. Forty was the one who, what would you say, delivered him, I guess? <laughs> uh, this guy just tweets in, I just want to talk with my coworkers about the Utah Jazz. My boss wants us to work. WTF is his problem. <laughs> oh, totally, man. You got to give at least a couple hours to just revel and glory in it. It was a thrilling, thrilling win, man. When's the last time they've been up? In a second round series. Wow. Off the top of my head, Jazz Warriors. When? That when would have that? been 2007. Six, seven? Eight, no, no, 08. I don't know. He usually knows that stuff. That's a long uh, time uh, yeah. ago, man. It's been a minute. Just to be up 1 0. They, they had a six game losing streak in game ones. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Right, so that's to be able to 1-0 in a series oh, that's what I meant. Yeah. is a big deal. 2-0, wow. You're going, you're going way back because they were not 2-0 when the last time they won a game one was the Clippers, and they lost game two. So 2-0, you got to go back. Oh, you're talking any series? To, yeah, to be up 2-0 in a playoff series for the Jazz. Not that, just in the second round. No, in the first round. Okay, yeah. Yeah, you got to go back. Yeah, well, 2-0. they're not up 2-0 yet. They're no, up, they're not. They're up 1-0 now. This is the first time they've won a game one since they beat the Clippers with the, on Joe Johnson's shot. And this is uh, Joe Ingles. When I asked him, I think it was real true. He didn't want to come out and say, yeah, we knew we had no chance against the Rockets. And, and I would Warriors. never say we had no chance. <laughs> but that's essentially what he said. Whereas this time, it is dramatically different. Every single one of these dudes, top to bottom, believes that they could win. Last time the Jazz were up 2-0... In a series. They're 1-0 now. Last time they were up 2-0 was 2008, first round against the Rockets, and they ended up winning in six. And last time they were up 2-0 in the second round was when they beat the Warriors 4-1 in 2007 to get to a conference final. So 2007 was the last time they had a lead in the second round. Yes. Because the last two times they made the second round, it was, uh, you just knew they were losing. They beat the Rockets to tie that series at 1-1 in Houston. They came home to Utah. Wait, could this happen? This would be incredible. And the Rockets won three in a row and won the series. Yeah. Bam! Sit down. They weren't ready to win at that no, point, and the Rockets they were. Yep. They're ready to win. Now, the, the, now can the, they actually the do it? The problem is there was a huge disparity between the Rockets and the Jazz. I don't think there's a huge disparity between the Jazz and the Clippers. And that's why we had a three-point game. 
And, and that makes me nervous because Memphis won game one by three points. <laughs> I don't think you consider that at all. I can't believe you even came up with oh, that. Oh, come on! And Donovan didn't play. And Conley didn't play. Get Conley back. That's been the overwhelming, you know, what more do you want? Because game one, the Jazz played a lot of good basketball. Not perfect, but a lot of good basketball. And they won, and it was highly entertaining. And everybody's yeah. into it. And the place was full, and that is, you know, that feels yeah. good. And the one thing he didn't have was Conley. And that's okay. what people want. And nothing against Mike, because I think he's a great addition to this mm-hmm. team. But they won. But they're used to playing without him. He's not exactly Cal Ripken here. No. That's, that was, Bojan was asked, how did you do it to adapt? And he says, well, that we, that's what we've been doing. Yeah. They had to play Mitchell's without Mike. A, a great difference. They had to play without Mike. And they had to play without Donovan, and they had to play without both of them. So it's not whatever comes at them here. They've had to adapt to a lot, and they've had to adapt specifically to this. Give me Mitchell and Gobert, and they got a chance. Yes. Now, I had other guys, and the chances go up. And adding Mike Conley, the chances go up. And I very much hope he's playing in game two. It's what we said earlier, if you're just joining us here in the 9 o'clock hour, and we're not going to do the recap we normally do at 9.30, because Andrew Greif, the Clippers beat writer for the LA Times, is going to join us in our next segment. We would normally do that recap. But Conley could have shortened that uh, run, that 0-for-21 stretch, when they get outscored 22-for-2 while missing 21 straight shots. He could have hit a shot in there. He could have gotten somebody else an easy shot in there. It could have minimized the damage. Now, it all worked out, and he rests the hamstring, and they win anyway. So, great. No, I'm sure. Yeah. You, were pretty, you were pretty sure he was going to play. I feel, I feel uh, vindicated in my skepticism. In what? Oh, I, didn't, I had no idea. I'm just yeah, saying. Locke said, said the story that the all only- questionable players played except Mitchell. And game one against Memphis. So it's the same thing here. Now it's but he, And he also said that every time he was out with the hammy, it, it was, was 14. Two yeah, and so 14. we're at seven now. Right. So how many games is in the next week? They're playing every other day. So I can't add that up. <laughs> That's what you're there for. I'm here to have just... Comments, man. That's my just throwing comments that come in off the top of my head. You're, I drive the bus. I start thinking. I drive the bus, and you're in the back yeah. shooting spit wads. Right. That's how it works. Nineteen freaking years. We're going to be old enough to drink here soon. <laughs> <laughs> and gamble. <laughs> so you don't want me to stop. If I have to stop and think, the moment's gone. <laughs> I'm useless. Let her rip, baby. Yeah, you're like Quinn. You're you're just doing what Quinn Snyder teaches everyone. When the ball comes to you, you already need to have your mind made up what you're going to do. You can't think about it. No. You decide what to do while the ball is in the air on the way to you. Oh, when and, it comes to shooting, I believe in that 100. percent And by the way, the guy who did that best last, the best example in that game, Derek Favors. There was a wild scramble in the second half, and somebody got the ball in the corner and threw it to Favors at the high post. And that ball went out of his hands to Jordan Clarkson in a heartbeat. And Clarkson got a wide-open catch-and-shoot three, and he made it, and the place erupted. And Favors knew what he was doing with the ball before it ever got to him. Yeah, yeah. And the play was right in front of him, the way he was facing. I mean, obviously Stockton made a living off of that, Yep. of being able to anticipate and and be a step ahead. So, yeah. But if so Mike can miss, if he has to miss a couple more games, I guess there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, but it's not like they can't overcome it. 
Because it's not like, too, that they just rolled out, man, everything went their way. Nope. No, they had to battle all sorts of adversity. 20 straight shots? Or was it 21? What's the difference? No difference. But 21, uh, yeah. The, that, when is that going to happen? At home, no less? I thought they were going to put in Matt Thomas. Might as well give old Matt, Matty T a try. Line him up. All Nobody he, else is hitting. All he could do is miss one. It was too early for that. Later in the game, though, you're right. They might have they might have given that a shot, but not that early. So I love being down it. 13. and sh- I love resolve. When things don't go your way, you still find ways to get what you need. To get, that's, that's the essence of life. At least it is for me. And I think all of us. Everyone's got a story. Sometimes it's easy. Most of the time it's not. Okay, yeah, I can name a couple of guys. No, I'm saying in your life. Some stuff in your okay. life goes well. But there's lots of times but you got to... it doesn't matter. Right. There's lots of times you got to dig. You got to keep, if you want to use the word, the verb digging, whatever it might be. So it's sort of a, what was the anecdote for the game or what, what, I don't know if that's the right word. Metaphor, simile. Uh, something like that. And don't hang your head. Keep playing. And uh, halftime came at a great time. They went into halftime with no momentum, <laughs> I didn't think. It's down 13. And then the they last, changed it right off the bat. The last minute, the last 30 yeah. seconds were really deflating. Right. I was hoping hit a three, get, get a, a stop, stop, and you're down seven. That's yep. fine. You take that. But no, it was exactly the other way. You didn't hit a three, you didn't get a stop, and they hit a three. They got all the momentum going their way. And you could have all, woes me, we don't have Mike, blah, 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 blah. But no, none of that was apparent. I don't know what it was, who said what in halftime. I don't know that anything needed to be said. If they obviously they knew the situation. This is a veteran ball club here, in a lot of different ways. I mean, your your star offensively is a kid, but he's also a four year veteran. That's plenty of experience to have success in the second round, certainly. And well, then yeah. he came out and did that. Yeah, and he's uh, the thing is there are fourth year players, and you're still young, obviously, but they're fourth year players who might be in like their second or first even playoff series. But because the team was pretty good around him and he was pretty good as a rookie, he's got more playoff experience. He's now in his sixth playoff series. He is racking up the, the postseason games yeah, he here. He took 30 shots, man. Yeah. And came that up doesn't with four, count the ones that got fouled. Yeah, it came up with 45 points, so everybody's yeah. good with that. Oh, no question. But the fact that he took 30, <laughs> 30 shots, shots, that's awesome, man. Because that means you believe in yourself to the highest level. Give me the ball. And everybody else believes in him, too. And to do what he did was just simply sensational. Still had the, five assists. Talked after the game about only having the three rebounds. Uh, there are some rebounds I mean, that got away from him. He's going to nitpick himself, too. Good. That way nobody else has to. Well. Because this, this, yeah. this is still should be, even though everyone feels good, this should still be a long series. There should still be a, a bunch of close games. So little things will matter. And if he nitpicks himself and then he goes out and runs down a couple of long rebounds and gets his team extra possessions, that could matter a lot. Certainly. Even if they win tomorrow, I don't feel like they've got this thing in the bag. Well, Clippers just came back from 0-2 in the last series. Uh, Jazz are... Are better than the Mavs. We all believe that. I suppose so I could even argue if it's 3-1, they don't have it in the bag. I would think that if either team gets up 3-1, they won't think they have it in the bag. Since they both blew 3-1 leads a year ago, that will just all, that'll just be fresh. That'll always stay with them. If the series ends up 3-1, it might end up 2-2, so we'll see. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, we've got uh, 
Andrew Greif coming up. I mean, we can look at it from the Jazz perspective and what did they leave out there, but what did the Clippers think they left out there? Andrew Greif, Clippers beat writer for the LA Times, coming up next. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. It's our friend Ben Maller, Fox Sports Radio. To me, the NBA postseason is really about who's not going to choke in the final couple minutes, who can execute better. And I like the Clippers' chances with Kawhi. I don't trust in the final couple minutes of the game that Donovan Mitchell will be able to get it done. If Donovan goes out there and does exactly what you think he won't do, will you come back on with us? Well, you want me to wear a paper bag like I did last <laughs> year when the Clippers lost to the Nuggets? Of course I'll come back on. And when the Clippers win and they go to the NBA Finals, you know, that won't pour salt in the wound. I'll volunteer, Gordon, to get up in the middle of the night and come on the show. <laughs> I'll try to be sober. Yeah. No, no, we have a screener. If you're sober, you don't get on the air. <laughs> Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Rough Tough Products. Rough Tough sets the industry standard for custom seat covers for cars, trucks, SUVs, and UTVs. Get the best fitting seat covers for the make, model, and year of your vehicle and do business with a Utah company that's been around since 1976. Check them out today at roughtough.com. That's roughtough.com. Time to welcome in Andrew Greif. Los Angeles Clippers beat writer for the LA Times, been on the show before, and he joins us one more time to talk about Game 1 and look ahead to the rest of the series. Andrew, good morning. Good morning to you. Thanks for having me on. No problem. So you know how this works. You know, everybody follows the team they follow and sees it through the lens of the team that they cover or they cheer for. So we want you on because we know what we're thinking, what Jazz fans are thinking about Game 1. But I'm curious what that looks like from the Clipper perspective. Uh, how much do you think they're down right now, and how much are they just like, eh, that's one game in a series, and we leave here 1-1. Well, so that'll work. Yeah, I think that it's it's probably closer to the latter. I mean, this is what I wrote as my lead in my story was that, you know, essentially think of all the teams left in the playoffs and which one do you think is going to overreact less to a game one, given what happened in the first round? It's probably the Clippers. Um, you know, they've they've been down this road before. Uh, even in the post-game interviews last night, guys like Luke Kennard were basically saying, well, we just had to start the process over again of what we did against Dallas. You, you watch the film, you clean up, you stay even keel. And you hope for the best, and you hope that your shooting will pick up at the right time, and your stars will produce, and everything will fall into place. So I think that given the disparity in rest, um, I don't think the outcome was shocking. Um, but at the same time, I don't think we should just downplay this as, well, it was a game that was always going to be a, a loss for the Clippers. They had a real chance to take that game, and, and they didn't do it. And I thought that was, for the Clippers, a real mi- op- missed opportunity. I mean, I, we can chalk it up, again, as something that maybe was going to happen given the the rest and the way Donovan took over, but the fact that they had a chance, I think it it's pretty, I don't say it's dispiriting, but it, it certainly is an opportunity lost. One of our analysts, who's a former college coach, said he thought that we might see an opportunity for Beverly to have more of a role in the series, particularly guarding Mitchell to try to keep Mitchell in check. What do you think about that? Yeah, I was surprised that he didn't get more of a run, to be honest with you, because I thought the exact same thing. Uh, they, you know, put him on Mitchell, pester him a little bit. Um, you know, he had no, he had no shot against Doncic in the first round because of the size differential. But against Mitchell, I thought, you know, maybe this is a matchup where he could see him, and we did. I think he was the first guy off the bench, but then he lasted. I want to say only about six minutes, um, and that that was a little surprising to me. I thought, but between Beverly and Zubats, two guys who really did not play much in the first round, who were more or less mainstays during the regular season, that they would have more prominent roles. 
Dubots did um, throughout the course of the game, and, and Ty Lue thought that he'll have a bigger role going forward based on the way he played. But Beverly was used, I think, a little bit less than I was anticipating. Andrew Greif joining us, uh, L.A. Clipper beat writer for the L.A. Times. The Clippers are in this series in large part because Kawhi Leonard put on the cape and did the Superman thing for seven games. His stat line was phenomenal. How much do you think he's going to be able to repeat that? Number one, just because it's hard to sustain that no matter who you're playing. And number two, obviously the Jazz have much better defensive numbers than the Mavericks. Right. and I mean, it's going to be hard to replicate it or come close to it because in the first round, he was one of four players in postseason history to have 200 points on 60% shooting for an entire series. That's like Shaq, Bernard King, and Kareem. So coming close to that is going to be too much to ask for, even for Kawhi. Um, but I think that they can do it. They can still pull the series out, I think, if they have balance. I mean, that's the way they won Game 7, uh, was not just having a takeover like Kawhi did in Game 6. And I thought that's what kept them, um, gave them that halftime lead was the balance, too. You know, that Kawhi and PG really got off to a very poor start, 3 of 13 in the first half shooting. But you had Luke Kennard come in and score 11 points in eight minutes, and you had Beverly, and you had Zubats. Uh, so I thought that he doesn't need to necessarily um, be the one-man show or the dominant force every single night like he was in the victories in Dallas because of the balance. Um, I thought it was unique that the balance was pretty much there from the role players, but it was really the stars who just did not have good games. Playoff P. 417 did play well at the end. Does this thing sort of mushroom on him? One game deal. I, by now, I think that he sort of um, he, he's used to this. I, I think that last year, having been the butt of offseason jokes for the entire offseason, and then all season when he was playing extremely well, having career highs in just about every offensive category, there was still this sense of, well, let's see what happens in the playoffs. So I think that the sort of prove-it mentality that, you're, that he knows is out there is nothing new. I don't think it's necessarily going to phase him. Um, he said that he likes the, the back and forth with fans. He likes hearing the playoff. He said he doesn't mind that at all. Uh, but you know that the performance is going to nag at him. And I thought that the way that when his shot wasn't going um, in, in earlier round or even the regular season, he would get to the rim a lot and make up for it by trying to get free throws. Um, and he just didn't do that as much last night. I thought that now maybe that's Gobert, obviously patrolling the paint. But he even felt like the shots he was getting were shots he was more or less maybe settling for instead of trying to take advantage of. So the one thing I did think happened was, and there's two ways to look at that. One, maybe he was figuring stuff out because, man, in the last three minutes, he had seven of the last nine points and he had the assist on the bucket Kawhi got for the other two points. But maybe that's also, hey, the game's almost out of reach. There's less pressure at this point. Or maybe he's figuring stuff out. What do you think? I, it's probably probably figuring some stuff out. You know, uh, you know, kind of finally seeing exactly where he wanted to push. And, and maybe I thought it goes back to what he said to us in post game, where he realized that time was running out. Like it was sort of now or never to to make to find those good shots that he had maybe settled against taking in the first half. I think it was probably an urgency thing, realizing that the sand was sort of slipping out of the hourglass. Um, and I would expect him to come out with a lot more fire in game two um, and just sort of getting to where he wants, kind of bullying his way to the spots he wants, Gobert or not, kind of looming as a presence in the inside. I think you'll see him be a lot more selective in the shots he takes. So what do you think the mood of the Clippers is right now? I mean, they sort of blew an opportunity. they got to get one in Salt Lake. It doesn't matter when it comes. But at the same time, you know, it's a three-point loss and you have this other opportunity real quick, so it shouldn't be that bad. 
I, yeah, I don't think it's that bad. I, I, again, I think it's what they went through in the first round. Um, they, you know, I remember they were down 0-2, and Ty Lue said, um, listen, you know, Dallas is going to keep up the shooting, and Paul George said there's no concern. And pretty much everybody laughed at them and said, what are you talking about? How can there be no concern? And guess what? The Clippers were pretty much right on both sides of it. So I think having gone through that, um, they're going to be pretty confident in sort of whatever whatever voices they choose to listen to. And I think that what they're probably talking to each other about right now is that, look, again, six days off versus two days off, uh, we were right there. Uh, you know, yes, you know, that we let them go nuclear in the second half with Donovan Mitchell, but we've seen this story before with Luka Doncic in a lot of ways. How do we apply what we could do to that matchup to limiting the Jazz? So I think that you're probably looking at this conversation between before game two is more of a, like, here are solutions instead of, oh, my gosh, look at this. Oh, we have to climb. Andrew Greif joining us, L.A. Clippers beat writer uh, for the L.A. Times. I'm curious because the narrative when you're a long way from the Clippers is, I know they're good. I know they got a lot of talent. It seems like they ought to be better. What's going on with the chemistry issues there? Is that a team with no soul and too many hired guns? And I'm sure you've heard and read all of that, and you're much closer to the team than us. What do you think? I think this year was um, a real stress test for a lot of that stuff. And I think that you can see, by, by the way, the decisions they made in the offseason um, were sort of reactions to last year. You know, They basically declined to offer Montrezl Harrell a contract. Um, they, um, you know, they felt like when Kawhi, when they lost game seven last year to Denver, he said, we need high IQ players. And so you could see they went out and got Nicholas Batum. Um, basically, you know, he's a free agent. He's waived. Yeah, that's, a, that's a longtime veteran. He's been to the Western Conference class before. Uh, super even keel, very chill guy. It's Serge Ibaka, who is not playing um, in the series, but he sort of fit the mold of, like, that veteran who had been there before, who could, um, you know, uh, essentially had seen it all and wasn't going to overreact. Uh, I think that the way it went out and got different pieces sort of spoke to them realizing they needed more um, source stability, you know, and, and more kind of like what guys you can count on night in and night out, not to get too high, not get too low. And you've seen that throughout the year. Uh, you know, they talked about feeling like they just had a lot more confidence in themselves to be able to withstand punches. They barely lost, I think, three three games in a row was their longest losing streak. They just didn't let things linger very long. And, of course, the way they showed backbone in the first round, I, again, I think spoke to something we've barely seen in Clipper history, which is resilience. Um, whether or not that shows up again, I guess, is the test now. But even that first-round series, I think, was sort of, in a 51-year history of this franchise, something that was seen so rarely that you kind of took a step back and said, well, you know, oh, my gosh, what, what, did, what do we just watch here? A team that, when cornered, fought back. Um, that was that was new, and I don't think that happens um, unless they kind of went out and they basically brought in a more stable, uh, resilient core going into this year. So the thing I like about an NBA seven-game series is they it sort of takes on a life of its own, and you look at, all right, what is sustainable? What is something that we can do better? And you look at the box score, and Kawhi Leonard and George had decent games, but they're capable of playing better. So you look that, all right, well, that makes the Jazz a little nervous. But then you look at somebody like Kennard, who jumps up there and gets 18 points. Is he capable of doing that? And so maybe that washes it as far as, uh, well, that'll even out and all that stuff. When you look at some stuff from game one, whether it's Kennard or whatever, what do you think can be sustainable and what was something that the Clippers really can't count on from game to game? 
I thought that Canard, I mean, maybe 18 points, um, maybe that exactly, that kind of output won't be replicated, but I really do think that he has his confidence back and, and could kind of be that guy who could step in, play maybe 10 minutes and give you a couple threes or three threes and sort of be a, uh, the, you know, the jab that you need of energy and offense. Uh, hesitancy shooting the ball was a real thing for him this, this season. And one of the reasons why he really fell out of the rotation for long stretches of the season. I don't think that there was a lot of trust that he would take the open shot because he was trying to find his way to new rotation. He's got that now. His first shot last night, he did not hesitate at all. I think that, again, he could be that valuable rotation guy throughout this series. Um, not sustainable. You know, I think Rajon Rondo's minutes. Um, I, th- I thought that he did not play that, all that well, and I thought that was a little surprising. Yeah, you know, obviously, given why they brought him in was sort of for that uh, playoff. Um, been here, been through the wars, type of general on the floor. I just was not super impressed with the way he played. Uh, I'll be curious, kind of what Ty Lue does there in terms of does he give minutes to Terrence Mann, who was an absolute spark plug for them in the first round and barely saw the court last night, only eight minutes. I don't know if that was because they wanted more spacing with Kennard. Uh, I'm guessing so. Um, but I thought that that was unsustainable. I would put Terrence Mann in more often. Uh, I, you know, obviously, Paul, Paul and Kawhi, it starts with them. We talked about, I talked about balance and how maybe they could ride the series out by winning through balance, but that, nothing's going to happen unless those two play better. So the, they, that just has to continue uh, to get better for the Clippers to have any shot, and that's just uh, the very bottom line. Since you bring up Terrence Mann... I want to go back to Game 7 of the last series. And and he had a decent game shooting the ball and played minutes and all that stuff. But he has a corner three that barely grazes the rim. And Kawhi crashes, catches it, scores, and is fouled for three-point play. And the TV cameras catch him going back towards the free throw line. He turns over his shoulder and he yells, nice pass. But he doesn't laugh when he says it. And I guess if you know him really well, you know, you can take that one way and it's funny, but you take it another way and like, what kind of relationship do these guys have? That's not going to help them take the next shot. What are you doing? How are we all supposed to read that? What's going on there? I, I don't know. I feel like people always say that Kawhi is like a very dry sense of humor. I suppose that uh, if you've been his teammate like Terrence Mann has for two years, maybe you read it in that way. But yeah, it, it was a little uh, like... I wouldn't know if I'd say that to a guy who just barely grazed the rim, especially when he's been shooting the ball really well and been an invaluable cog in that series comeback. Um, but maybe Kawhi, you know, hey, people say Kawhi is different. Uh, maybe maybe that's his humor that we just don't see because he doesn't reveal it to us. But, yeah, I, I thought the same thing. I laughed at first and thought that was actually pretty hilarious because um, it's so just like uh, in conversation. You know, there's no, like, over laugh. And then you're kind of like, oh, well, I wonder how Terrence took that. <laughs> All right, well, Andrew Greif, L.A. Clippers beat writer for the L.A. Times, give us a little insight into this. We're looking forward to Game 2 and the rest of the series. Andrew, thanks for spending a few minutes with us. Yeah, of course, no problem. Thanks so much for having me. All right, there's Andrew Greif from the L.A. Times. DJ and PK, when we come back, your feedback, everything you're thinking about today's show, next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Sacre bleu! Slot by Gobert! And that'll do it. We, we, monsieur! I'm sorry, Marcus Morris. Sorry, this is not a movie. It must be humiliating to watch Rudy Gobert stuff your jump shot right back into your face. Gobert has apologized. But hey, there's always tomorrow. Literally tomorrow.
Let's get another win, boys. Game two between the Jazz and Clippers tips off Thursday at 8 with the Jazz Live pregame show beginning at 7 on your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz. 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. The thing I missed most last night was Bowler and Thurl calling the game. Get those other guys out of there. Clippers fans calling the game are no fun. Get me Bowler and Thurl, baby. Now, I think that Rudy Gobert will rightly so get a ton of props for his block last night, but I think Joe Ingles needs a ton of props for forcing Kawhi Leonard to give up the ball for the last second shot. The first half was a little scary, couldn't make some shots, and they took the lead. After the half, we came out strong, and Donovan took the game. I haven't yelled at my TV like that in a long time. It's good to see Donovan playing like that. He went off, man. Oh, Donovan, don't do me like that! Got a lot of David Locke impersonators showing up this morning. That's from the open mic. Grab your phone, use the app, send the audio in. Yacht gets it on the air. And we'll be doing that every day throughout the postseason. We do it every day all the time, but you'll be more motivated throughout the postseason, I think is what it comes down to. Uh, Joe on the final possession with the switch. That was pretty good. A bit of a scramble there as Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and the switch. And Joe talked about that. If you missed it, Joe's interview is in uh, is up on the website at 1280thezone.com. Yak is nodding. He already got that posted. Joe was on at 8.30, so hour three, or you can just look for the, the Joe Ingles segment. Either way, everything's available at 1280thezone.com. And you can check out his thoughts on uh, defending that uh, last play and everything that happened there as, uh, as it got wild and chaotic and the decision to foul or not to foul. It's all up there. You can listen to it. Well, the decision not to foul was an excellent decision because he didn't make the shot. <laughs> right. <laughs> Results matter. <laughs> we just talked with uh, Andrew Greif, and I think to follow up you on what you were hitting him with, you know, is what, what is going to change from game one to two? And I think a lot of things can change here, and there's always, you know, whatever you change, and then how do they adjust to that, and that stuff goes back and forth. Uh, Luke Kennard, is he really going to shoot 67% from three for the series? No. Probably not, right? But Reggie Jackson picked up six fouls in 17 minutes. I thought he did some good things while he was in the game. I thought he did some good things in the previous series. And he just couldn't stay on the floor. I assume even if he's in foul trouble, he's not going to get in foul trouble that quickly. And I also wonder if, when Conley returns, that will they start? Will they match up and go small? I mean, will Jackson, Rondo, and Beverly end up playing together at some point to match it? How does that work? And we don't really know. You can't look at the regular season games because Rondo wasn't on the team then. They hadn't made the trade. Jackson, yet. Rondo, and Beverly will playing have, together? Not no. all three of them, but will two of the three be out there? Oh, oh, okay. You said playing together. I meant two of the three playing together. Okay. They, to match up for when Conley and Mitchell are both out there. How will they handle that? They haven't, Tyler hasn't had the Rondo option in the regular season games. And Conley didn't play, so there was no needs. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do there. There's lots of stuff that can be tweaked and can, can change going forward. Uh-huh. You sure? Yeah. All right. As far as your feedback... We've got a lot of people uh, weighing in here. <laughs> Terrell Budge, who's got a Utah State avatar there, at TV Budge. I hate the overrated chant in pretty much any circumstance. It's stupid. 
And Brandon tweets back at him, choosing to go to school in Logan, Utah is stupid. Laughing, crying emoji. (laughs) That escalated quickly. That got pretty personal. I think Quinn Snyder's wife went to school in Logan, Utah. Oh, really? For a time. An Aggie. Yeah, yeah, double-check that, but I think that's true. Some respect from the national media. They think the Jazz... Oh, because the question is, what do you want? What what else could you possibly want from game one? And uh, so... Uh, Josh says, I want some respect from the national media. They think the Jazz played their best, and the Clippers played bad. Joe Ingles and Royce hitting shots, not missing 20 straight. Mike Conley back. Who thinks that? Where, where Josh you, is seeing some major upside. Perpetual chip on the uh, shoulder. Yeah, and, and I don't want to listen to the Clippers broadcasters, and I don't know who the play-by-play guy is. but I, We know Greg Anthony. Yeah, I don't think uh, Greg Anthony views himself as a Clippers fan. <laughs> no. I, the I New York say. Nick, UNLV running rebel, and doesn't associate with the Clippers. He's a good friend of Dave Rose's. There's some UNLV Dixie connection there? Yeah, that goes okay. way back, yeah. What else could you want? What friggin' more could you want in that game one win? And Bart Black tweets at us. Bart's a hardcore listener and tweets at us a lot. He tweets at us, less stress. Period. Ah, that makes it more fun, though. Yeah, I don't think Bart thinks so. Anything that's harder to achieve is more worthwhile. Yes. Didn't you think watching the crowd that what you said two days ago, like, hey, being the Grizzlies, that was nice, but it was Dog Bites Man. Correct, yeah. You're the one with the best record in the NBA, and they're the eight with no playoff experience and not enough three-point shooting. Right, you should have won You did what you are supposed to do. Awesome. Now this... It's a little dicey. They've got playoff experience. They got a much better record. They're five games behind you in the standings, but everybody feels like they dumped two or three of them on purpose. See now, There's not a gap if, here. If, if Locke comes out and says the Jazz dominated, and the Watchdog guy wants to complain, I'll, <laughs> I'll agree on this one with the Watchdog guy. Okay, all right. They didn't dominate. They did not dominate. But they they scrapped and they battled and they won. Things that are harder to achieve once achieved, they just simply mean more. They do. And the fact is, man, my college education, which I paid for every cent, I think it I would have never known what would have happened if somebody else would have paid for it, but it means a lot to me. I got it. I got it, man. Well, I think on top of that, for you, it means a lot because you got it when your parents didn't. No, they did not. And I don't know what the odds were on you graduating from college when you were eight or nine years old. Uh, They were pretty high because of one person, my sister. Had she already graduated at that point? No. But I didn't know it when I was eight or nine years old, but she was going to force me. Okay. Because I was younger. I was her younger brother, and she... How much older is she? Nine years. So she hadn't gone to college herself, but she was already going to force you to go. I didn't know it, looking back. Did she know it? I don't know if she knew it. but Because I wouldn't think that I would get... But it's different, because I had parents telling me. such a high... She, she was the one who told me. She was, yeah. she, she was the one. So she was such a high Probably achiever. not until high school. Yeah. 
when she was saying, this is what you do. This is what you do. If you don't do right. it, Right, but by the time I, you I were in high school, you. she'd gone through college. And oh, she, she was, was working. She yeah, was going to grab you. She was going to grab you by the ear and drag you through it. This was happening. Yes. She got her doctorate. She's, she has she a, didn't want you to get caught on the treadmill. Your parents got caught she on She has... Her Christmas shopping is done by June. Ooh. Of a, a year and a half ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, why isn't 2022 wrapped up yet, people? Yes. She is the highest achiever wow. of anybody I know. Noel here tweets at us, uh, what more could you want than game one? He says, well, more than two points in the last minute, 48. No, that makes it even better. Uh, I, I, I know what you're saying, and I'm agreeing with you, but it's... They need to sprint through the finish line. Sure. It worked and that's in game the great, one. That's the great thing is they can do it. It worked in game one. But you want to, you know, they didn't sprint through the finish line, but it worked no. in the game. But you want them to sprint through the finish and line. And they're watching film at noon today. Yes. And Quinn Snyder's got a whole lot of stuff. The best teaching moments are when you win. Yes. Guys are much more able to accept it. Yes. Then. Right. So they made a whole slew of mistakes in those last couple minutes. You want to put them in there? I'm all for it. But they still won. So that means you can hunker down or whatever expression you want to be better. That's why this thing was the perfect formula for game one. Not necessarily for game two, three, four, so forth and so on, but for game one. And then we got Denny who wants Mike to play, and we got Rob who wants Mike to play, and I could read the list of people who tweeted us, well, I want Mike to play until 11 o'clock. He's a security blanket. Which Peanuts character had the, had the blanket? Linus. Linus? Yeah. Everybody wants Mike to play. Everybody. Everybody wants Mike out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he needs when he goes out there. He needs to be healthy. He doesn't need to injure it more and then be out. Okay, three but weeks. that's the great thing about him. When he does go out there, it's right. like he hasn't missed a beat. And because they won, it takes a little of the pressure off, right? If they lost, maybe they feel a little different. You'd still be trying to make the same decision, to make it right, but you just can't ignore the fact, like, uh oh, it's a winning one without Conley is great. It's obviously better than losing with <laughs> Conley. Captain Obvious, yeah, signing in. All right, well, we'll probably hear more about that tomorrow, injury report and all that stuff. Uh, DJ and PK, we're calling it a show. Hans and Scotty with more on the Jazz. Game one win next.